to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. I'm on with John Lovell. Uh, John will be co-hosting some of the episodes. Uh, John is a former Army Ranger with the 2nd Ranger Battalion. Um, and John was on the last episode. And just look forward to hearing more from John as we go forward. So this week has... Um, there's been a few incidents this week uh, involving the U.S. military. Um, one, there was a, so there's an elite, uh, U.S. Navy aviation unit called the Blue Angels, and they perform, uh, shows and, and things like that and, uh, difficult maneuvers. So they're pretty elite aviators. Uh, they were in Tennessee on Thursday and one of the jets crashed and the captain, he's a Marine captain, his name was Jeff Cuss, he was killed in a crash. So I just want to send out our condolences to the Cuss family and uh, the Marine Corps as a whole uh, during this difficult time. Uh, there was also another incident at Fort Hood, which is a U.S. Army base. Um, there was some flooding and a, uh, a truck overturned and fell into a creek. Uh, five soldiers were killed from Fort Hood, and four soldiers are still missing. Um, I know searches are underway, and they're looking for the other soldiers who were involved in the crash, um, and hopefully uh, they'll be returned safely. Um, and then, uh, last but not least, uh, Tom Eagles passed away last night. Uh, Tom Eagles was the most decorated corpsman coming out of Vietnam. Uh, he really has an incredible story, and he was uh, heavily involved at North American Rescue, uh, and he's responsible for bringing a lot of change to the way the military looks at uh, combat trauma and things like that. So, uh, John, I'll hand it over to you, and then uh, you and DJ Strunch can get into uh, Doc Eagles. Sure. Thanks, John, and uh, very happy to be back. Thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, DJ, you still with us? Oh, I still am. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. DJ, you work for North American Rescue, so um, first off, I wanted to echo John's sentiments and pass on my sincere uh, condolences to you and your entire team. We hurt for you and with you. Thank um, you. We uh, we appreciate it. It's a, been a tough day, but um, Tom was an incredible guy, and he wouldn't want us just sitting around on our thumbs. Uh, he definitely would be giving us a lot of crap if we were doing that. So we're trying to make the best of it. Yeah. Well, um, well uh, looking through just his resume, this guy was a legend. I mean, uh, three tours in Vietnam. Before that, he was a foreign Christian missionary to Vietnam. Yeah, so then he, uh, he joins the military, goes some pretty hairy stories, some near-death encounters and something about a tiger and left behind enemy lines and all kinds of just stuff that makes me feel like my combat tours was just like finger painting classes. So, um, anyway, can you speak to some of that? Did he, t did he share any of these stories with you? Yeah, he was the last kind of bit of his career at NAR. He was pretty much just, he was our, you know, kind of a symbol of the bearer of light at NAR, you know, he would come into the office and, kind of cruise the halls and if you were had some time in your schedule and I work remotely so when I was there usually my schedule was a little bit flexible and I'd be able to just go sit down with him and just kind of ask him to talk to you about it and 
he was a really kind of, he had a real dry sense of humor, um, that he would, you know, he was a, for lack of better terms, he would talk a lot of shit. I mean, he would, <laughs> he would, he would tell it to you straight with complete candor. And, uh, you know, when you meet a guy and one of the first things out of his mouth is, you know, he shakes your hand and says, well, have you ever met a guy with five assholes? And you look at him and scratch your head and <laughs> typically reply, no. And then he smiles and winks and says, well, now you have. Well, he, he didn't show them to you then, right? And it, Yeah, he, did, he, would, he would offer. He would usually you know, run away no. before, he had a chance, <laughs> before he had a chance to show you. But uh, as part of his collection of injuries from Vietnam, he was shot through the buttocks. So entry, exit, entry, exit, and then the orifice God gave him. So he, uh, he truly had five starfish. Um, <laughs> and that was just Tom, you know, he... He was a kind, gentle soul with just a passion for saving lives. And I mean, he right out of high school, he became a Catholic Augustinian monk and got shipped off to Vietnam, of all places, before the war even started. So, you know, he was running around over there, learning the language. Um, he was very familiar with the Ho Chi Minh Trail complex because that was what he used to get from place to place. And when the war kicked off, uh, he bailed back to the States and wanted to be a corpsman and finally was able to convince people that, hey, guess what? Um, I actually know about this thing called the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And uh, once they figured that out, uh, he got some pretty interesting assignments from reconnaissance missions to working with you know, uh, uh, indigenous police forces and paramilitary units to you know, kind of Sure. Do his did thing he, over uh, there. Did he ever uh, share any of those stories with you? Any types of uh, scary situations or what yeah, spring the, to mind? The the list is probably too long to fully flesh out, but I mean the ones that really kind of stuck out in my mind, and people at North American would probably have have a different handful of stories that they love from Tom. But I mean, I remember one of them. He was on a hilltop with a. Uh, a group of his Vietnamese counterparts and they were all wearing black pajamas because they were, you know, on a reconnaissance mission. And so they were dressed as Viet Cong and, uh, American Cobra gunship spotted them and came popped up and planned on strafing them. And he said it was so close to him that he could see the sparks coming out of the minigun as it shorted in in the chin turret so it shorted out um basically and so the gun was spinning but no bullets came out and he's stripping off his clothes as fast as he can getting naked to show him that he's a caucasian um yeah. and waving frantically before they employ any other weapon systems but uh i just can't imagine sitting there watching sparks and uh, as a gun shorts out from you know point blank range uh that would have ended his day right there so that was one. Um, another one that just gives you the creepy crawlies. They were on a, a long-range reconnaissance deep inside Viet Cong territory, and it was at night, and they were um, bedded down. You know, they didn't have all the night vision that we have now, so they were uh, hunkered in in for the night. And a tiger came in and grabbed one of the guys from his patrol, and they sat there in the dark surrounded by Viet Cong listening to this guy scream until the tiger killed him. And then they had to listen to the tiger all night crunching away as it ate oh. that poor guy. Um, 
you know, and they're just sitting there waiting, watching and hoping and praying that it was full and they could, you know, keep moving. But I don't. Yeah. yeah. I've, how do you, yeah, I've got, <laughs> how do you respond to that <laughs> and stuff and other things, but I feel like we just need a big moment of silence because I've just never heard of losing, losing a dude to a tiger before. How do you explain that to your chain of command when you give that? That's, that's, that's just horrible. That's horrible. Yeah, it, that's, all. It's, that's all you it, can say. That's, that's awful. No, there's nothing you can't, uh, it's just like, you kind of sit there with Tom and he's telling you this with his, you know, and, he had some speech issues later on from Agent Orange that you know was affecting him, and he did hyperbaric treatments to help uh, mitigate that. That really made a difference. But you're just you're really with him at the end. You're hanging on every word because he's you know kind of wow. mumbling through some of the stuff, and you're like, wait a second, did you say a tiger ate that guy? Like, <laughs> you don't roll over that detail. We stop and we discuss about the tiger. That's yeah. terrible, horrible stuff. And not being able to do anything because you're surrounded by enemy troops, and if you give away your position, you're all going to die. So you just oh, I you hate sit it. there. I hate it. All right. Yeah. Next story. Uh, I'm going to be um, thinking about that in bed tonight. Be like, you know, oh. all right. Go. Yeah. And, and then, um, and this one, I don't. It, you know, my details might be slightly skewed, so forgive my artistic license. But I believe the the the, the gist of it was. He, he flew a lot of combat missions. It was like 251 combat missions on, uh, as a medic on, on board helicopters as well as part of his, one of his tours. Mm-hmm. And the bird got shot down, and the, the birds that came in to pick him up, one of them might have, I think one of them was shot down as well. Um, so that's where the details on, on my end are hazy. Um, but for whatever reason, all the other people got picked up and he got left on the ground and the LZ was deemed too hot to come get him. So he was in the elephant grass for the next day by himself in a hot LZ while they decided when it was, when they could come and get him. So he had a, a long and, uh, stressful, uh, time to, uh, meditate and contemplate, uh, if and when he was going to get home on that one. So those are kind of that gives you kind of a taste of what Tom went through in Vietnam, and that's really just the kind of tip of the iceberg. Um, but he yeah. he was you know in Vietnam he was one of the first you know in the military he's one of the first corpsmen, combat medics, whatever you want to lump them into. That was he was looking constantly looking for ways to keep his Marines alive. So I mean whether that meant putting kitty litter in nine lawns to wounds to see you know because that absorbed blood and helped you know i guess you could call it the preliminary hemostatics you know like that was something that you know he was just looking for ways to save his guys because that's all he cared about you know i think there's a quote where somebody asked him how many lives he saved he's like i don't remember how many lives i saved but i remember every one that i lost and that was something that weighed very heavily on him so he was you know the guys he lost were the ones that that mattered the ones that he saved that was you know that's what he was supposed to be doing you know that's what he was that was his whole goal so um it really yeah, you, made an impression on him the ones that he lost if you told me nothing else except that you know that thing of i just remember the ones i lost i'd already you know be tempted to say that's a great man so yeah uh, yeah just 
Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, you know, uh, you knew him at North American Rescue, and he was a uh, – you described him as a teacher, a comedian, a protector, a storyteller. So you knew this guy on a personal level. Again, this this you had said he was the most decorated uh, corpsman uh, from Vietnam. Is that correct? Uh, that just Correct. That's um, that's the you know, he would never you know talk about his awards. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I, I didn't I wasn't in the office day in, day out, like a lot of my colleagues are because of sure. the way I work there, but um, I was fortunate enough to get to spend quite a bit of time with him. Every time I went there you, you know, you go find him, you just hope he's at his desk because if he was you know, you go seek him out and, and get that opportunity to just talk with him and and just hear about his stories because, I mean, here's a guy who, in, as far as the North American legacy goes, too, I mean, he brought in the Talon Litters when, you know, and that was what we started with was the, uh, we were, that's what our CEO started making in his house after he was medically retired as a PJ was a decontaminatable litter that the military, you know, they were still using litters from, from the Korean War and from, World War II. Wow. I mean, cloth litters with wood handles. I mean, that's what they were, the military was using. And so when Bob, our Castellani, our CEO, took this to to Tom, who was at uh, Systems Command, he saw this litter and this was an answer to what he needed. It was compact. It folded up. It wasn't, they didn't have to have these big crates, you know, these giant um, wooden crates that they carried, you know, transported the litters in. Because here was this folding litter that gave them a greater ability to um, reuse litters, to treat, you know, yeah. carry them into combat and everything else. And he recognized that and brought it into the military. And that's what really launched North Americans. So um, after he retired, you know, Bob felt a great sense of obviously loyalty to, to Tom and Tom was at, you know, North American after that for, all the way up until his last moments, you know, he's, he's part of North American soul. Yeah, sure. So, so give me a kind of an idea, an insider's idea of what it was like to know him as a, a teacher, comedian, protector, storyteller, and friend, as you put it. Uh, to know Tom was just, you, you never knew, you knew he was going to like, he didn't care about political correctness. He was just, he was Tom. Like he, there's a, it's hard to put into words. I mean, he was just someone that would always put a smile on your face because he'd crack some little joke, um, make, making fun of who knows what, probably something politically incorrect, um, laugh about it and then take off on a scooter down the hallway before you could think of something to like respond with. Um, <laughs> so he was kind of, he, he was, he was a bit of that kind of, he had that impish, kind of but just dry like real good dry he, good he, he would he would deliver it with just like the straightest face you know straightest expression he would just like rattle it off and you'd just be like huh wait a second and then you'd scratch your head and you'd get it and you'd be like okay roger that yep um it's like a time release joke where you lay in yeah. your bed at 12 o'clock and you sit up and just start laughing yeah and he, and he was just okay. <laughs> so just casual about it and and just so you know his candor was awesome because I mean, let's face it, today everybody is like so politically correct that you can't have a conversation without offending someone. Tom, at his point in life, just didn't care. So he was just going to tell you what he thought. 
and and if you paid you know pay attention you were learning a lot because you know here he had such a vast array of experience i mean you read through the product list of the stuff that he was involved with you know just a short list like water gel burn dressings tourniquets cinch type battle dressings quick clot um you know, X-ray device like they use so much, so much stuff that's in the in the military in Corman's bag of tricks. You know, the IFAC. He brought the IFAC into the Marine Corps, which was the cool. first redesign of any sort of medical kit the Marines carried in fifty years. Wow! So it was such. A, he was such a a wealth of knowledge. You literally, like, once you got sucked into a conversation with Tom. You, it was like pointless to try to extricate yourself because you were learning so much. I was like, well, I'm working, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm learning, you know, it's like, it was one of those oral histories that, you know, like when they're gone, it's a treasure that's gone forever. You know, it was, I, thankfully they have some, you know, they have some audio recordings they did with him. They have some videotape from here and there, but he didn't care. He wasn't trying to be famous. He was just trying to save lives. So it wasn't like he was looking for, a book deal or a movie deal where he was sitting down to do this stuff. He didn't care. He just wanted to pass along whatever wisdom he had learned in saving lives to the next guy so that lives could be saved in a better, more efficient way the next time. And that's something that, I mean, vanity and pride or humanity's, you know, that's everybody's weakness, but he was a rare breed in that, you know, he cared more about serving other people than his own agenda from, you know, you look at it, he became a monk, he became a corpsman. He did, you know, it's like he was on a different trajectory than most of us are from the very get go. Yeah. That's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And it, yeah. it makes me think about, uh, you know, when I sit down at a restaurant or something, I see some uh, older guy wearing a Vietnam hat or something else. So like that, these guys, you know, there's, living legends among us who, who you know saw some crazy stuff and have those stories and these 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 men are dying yeah uh, and uh i think there's um uh you know a, a great wealth of knowledge that's just silent that doesn't really have a platform and so i really appreciate you uh coming on the show and and, and giving us some background and some heartfelt words and and my hope is is that uh, myself, uh, John, uh, and all the listeners will be uh, made better men and better soldiers, better protectors, better fathers, husbands, and uh, you know uh, everything in the process as we're made braver by his example. Yes, yeah, we're we are fortunate to have a human like him to you know to call a friend and and uh, hopefully you know these kids that are looking at joining the military when they're thinking about. You know, a lot of kids look at it and they want to be gunslingers, and I, I get it. It's sexy. It's what Hollywood throws. But, man, when you look at some of these, you know, the latest Medal of Honor recipient, you know, Chief Chief Fires, he was a, he was a corpsman, you know. He was a SEAL, but he was a lifesaver, you know. These guys, they're incredible humans out there that are doing, defying the odds to save lives of their comrades and, you know, and... Those guys are, they're heroes. I mean, each and every one of them and, you know, hats off to them. It's a, it's a duty, a duty that, uh, hopefully our best and brightest aspire to, to carry forward. 
Yeah, it seems, and just from personal experience, you know, think back of the guys who who really are at the center of doing the sexy gunfighting. They're not the guys that were always looking for the sexy gunfighting. They were the guys that were putting more time and effort into answering those harder questions that were trying to sacrificially serve other folks. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's what I usually see. Yeah. It's, there's a, a rare breed of, of Americans that, uh, that see service in a unique way. And, and I, I have faith that it's not a dying breed. I just, you know, you just look for those individuals to rise up and, and continue, continue carrying that torch because it's a, it's a special breed. It's, it's not often, most times it's not a glamorous road. Um, it's a thankless job. So it's, a it's just a, a special time to kind of reflect on some of those things that Tom kind of brought to light and, and lived and I'm just fortunate enough to have gotten to call him a friend and get to hang out with him some and drink a cup of coffee listening to stories that had my jaw on the floor and made me question my manhood and (laughs) (laughs) it's just uh yeah just to be part of it so I really appreciate you guys being interested enough to to invite me on again and and uh let me hopefully not too badly maim the the legend that is Tom Eagles. It was great having you, DJ. Thanks so much for your time and uh, uh, for your um, just uh, personal testimony into his life. Anytime. You guys uh, take care, and thanks again. Yeah, DJ, uh, we really appreciate you coming on, brother. And, um, you know, and just once again, I uh, want to send out my condolences to uh, everyone at North American and uh and to doc eagle's family and uh and everyone he served with so uh dj um if you can can you just drop some handles social media website for the listeners who are interested in uh, north american rescue sure i mean if you're interested in more about tom we're you know we put some more in-depth posts on our facebook page which is just north american rescue um and then we you know have been updating our instagram feed once again north american rescue uh through the day and we try to celebrate lifesavers in our feed and educate people on on ways that uh they can save lives using you know obviously we sell products so using our products but also just educationally on on combat medicine on tactical medicine on first responders so hopefully it's a resource that uh gets people excited about the field and pushes them to take the next steps to get educated because that's the biggest biggest thing you can do for yourself is get trained i mean go out there find a certified course do a basic life-saving course do a stop the bleeding class take a ccc class i mean just you know if we were a nation of first responders a lot more lives would be saved so uh i don't know it's just kind of a personal mission of mine to use our social media to help educate people and inspire them to to learn more about saving other people's lives Awesome. All right, DJ. Thank you, brother. Hey, you guys have a great weekend. Hey, guys. So now I'm on with Chris. And Chris is a former 18 Delta medical sergeant who spent five years in 1st Special Forces Group on ODA 1411 and 1412. Eight years total military time with deployments to Afghanistan, Thailand, and the Philippines. And Chris now works as an overseas contractor and as a small business owner. 
So, Chris, um, it's great to have you on, bro. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me on the program. No problem. Um, so, Chris, so we'll um, we'll talk about a few things. First, let's get into well, we'll get into your business, but first, let's get into uh, your your bio. Like, what what led you to joining the military, and then can you talk about your time in the army? Yeah, absolutely. So. I went to, uh, I'd always been very interested in the military. I mean, I collected Desert Storm uh, trading cards when I was eight years old. So the interest has always been there, but it truly took off uh, when I went to Loyola University, Chicago, and was a history political science guy. And one of my teachers uh, one day was like, hey, there's somebody I want you to meet if you're truly interested in someday joining the military. I was like, okay. Um, and he took me to meet a man named Sam Sarkeesian. And Sam Sarkeesian, if you know any history of uh, Special Forces, was one of the first hand-picked members of Special Forces by Colonel Aaron Bank. So this man was the predecessor, he, the founder of SF, and he was one of the first hand-picked men uh, by Aaron Bank. And so he and I got to talking, and he was sharing stories with me that just absolutely blew my mind and opened me up to the entire world of what special forces and, and the special operations community did and still does. And so from there, it was just a foregone conclusion that that is what I wanted to do. And as soon as uh, I graduated college, I signed up trying to get there as fast as I could. So I became or joined the 18 x-ray program, uh, went through the qualification course and uh, was assigned to first special forces group. Um, in Tacoma, Washington in 2010. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, John here. Um, I, and hey, thanks so much for sharing your inspiration about uh, uh, joining Special Forces and everything. I thought that was awesome. You, did you choose 1st Bat, though, because you knew it was right down the road from 2nd Ranger Battalion? <laughs> you, you wanted to be our neighbor. Is that what? I mean, it clearly was. Um, that, I mean, obviously, I had to get this in there. I mean, it was just you know, kind of like the big elephant in the room. Right, right. I mean, if yeah. I had known you guys were so stellar, I would have chosen it without any question. Um, well, you know, but, hindsight's twenty twenty, man. Right, right. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm Thank so you so much to... for your service and your background. <laughs> really incredible. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I kid, but I've got the utmost respect. I appreciate it. Now, when, when you're selected, uh, they give you an option to do you know, what language you want to learn, which determines which group you want to go to. And my language ability is less than stellar. Um, so they gave me a language which was uh, Indonesian, which automatically put me in First Special Forces Group due to area of operation and stuff like that. So, I mean, it turned out perfectly because I got to be next to the the cool Rangers. Um, so it, it, I guess it I'm, turned I'm out. So, I'm so sorry. You must have cut out. Can you say that like three or four more times real quick? Just Oh, you wish I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Keep going. Uh so, I mean, it turned out to be the best possible scenario. I loved all my deployments. I loved the guys I, I served with, and I couldn't have imagined life turning out any any different than it did. So I was very lucky to get the group that I did. Hey, Chris, so can you share with the audience uh, some of your experiences uh, through combat or a story that comes to mind when you think of combat? Sure, absolutely. Uh, one story in particular really, really stands out to me. Um, my ODA was constantly called down to an area near the Pakistan border that was just constantly giving trouble. Uh, the, the Taliban were constantly giving trouble to a very isolated um, infantry unit FOB down there. And we went down there one day with information that they had been stashing 
explosive material RPGs and stuff in this old abandoned village. And we went there, um, stepped out of our vehicles, immediately took fire, uh, returned fire. They ran away. Um, we advanced up the hill, and when we got to the top of the hill, um, they had a hilltop IED triggered. And it, luckily, they buried it too deep, but it still caught a couple of my teammates pretty good, one in particular who got shrapnel all the way up his back, um, pretty much a perfect outline on him minus the body armor. And he, when I was treating him, and we called in the medevac, and he looked at me and he said, you know, we were trying to put him on a stretcher, and he said, don't you dare, I'm not letting these cowards see me on a stretcher on the way to the medevac. And so I was like, okay, you know, and we walked him to the medevac, um, and he got on standing. We, I flew with him to the uh, medical facility where we removed the shrapnel, and he then flew on to get concussion testing. I flew back. We went right back out the next morning, got in another firefight, and ended up uh, engaging and killing the vast majority of the individuals who had done this. And uh, it was just a stellar, like, the... Um, the bravery and the determination of my teammate and then the focus of my teammate to not let that affect us and go back out the next day and end up making a difference was just, it really stood out to me as, as a quintessential SF mission where no matter what happens, you just stay strong and you keep focused. So that was, that was probably my, my best, uh, best and worst probably 48 hours in SF. Nice. Nice. Um, Okay, so Chris, uh, here's something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, back in January, early January, um, and this is something that we reported on with Global Recon. We put out articles, and then we spoke about it in a early podcast. Um, uh, Sta- uh, Sergeant uh, Matt McClintock uh, from 19 Special Forces Group, he was killed during an operation in Afghanistan, and um, a picture had been sent to me of the special forces guys in the compound, which was surrounded by uh, the Taliban. And they had tied in an American flag on a stick and held the stick up in view so that the Taliban could see it. And uh, once I posted that picture, the picture had pretty much gone viral uh, all over the internet. And uh, I thought it was pretty iconic. And I also thought it was amazing the amount of support uh, the McClintock family received uh, through their difficult time. So I know you you knew Matt, uh, you served with him. Uh, can you tell the audience, uh, you know, what kind of guy Matt was? Absolutely. Um, Matt was, Matt and I actually graduated the qualification course together, came out to first special forces group together and ended up on the same team at the same time together. And being the new guys on the team, being the new guy on an SF team is never a fun thing because you're, you're walking into a situation where there's 10, 20, 30 years of experience all around you and you being the new guy, I mean, you have a lot of catching up to do. And so we really bonded in that way. And as the new guys, you know, we put in the extra effort. We were there staying late every single night when we did have some free time, we would hang out together. Um, he was that guy who would give you the shirt off his back or stay late to help you out no matter what, even if it wasn't his job. Uh, he was the engineer. If I had to stay until 9 p.m. for a medical thing, he would be the first one to volunteer uh, to help me out no matter what. Um, he was also extremely intelligent. Like anytime we had a school opening where, you know, we were like, hey, you need to be academically stellar to do this. Matt was just that uncanny brilliance where you knew if you were going to send him to a school, he was going to pass and he was going to make, he was going to represent 
first special forces group very, very well. And sure enough, every school that we sent him to, uh, he passed with flying colors and, or was the, you know, honor grad of that course. So just the, the guy who never took anything for granted and just was a absolutely as, as much of a stellar human being as he was a soldier. So you and Matt served together in, in first group, and then he went on to serve in 19th group, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, he got out right around 2014 and uh, ended up going to school in Florida and then decided he just wasn't done with military life and decided to come back into uh, 19th group and was actually trying to get back into first group um, when he was unfortunately killed in Afghanistan. Yeah, I know... Um Right after he was killed, you know, it was like it was all over the news. And, you know, one of the beauty, beautiful things about social media nowadays is that um, it can be used for something very positive, which was, I think, a family, a friend of the wife's family or or the one of the wife's friends created a GoFundMe account. Um, And I I remember we had shared the link on uh, social media and then I think by the time we, we had done a podcast, it was a few days later, and I checked, and they had raised like over $100,000 for the family. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, th- that was, you know, even though it was a pretty uh, tragic event, uh, I think that was awesome that, you know, kind of the, the social media online military community came together um, and helped out the McClintock family. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the same thing. I was being contacted. I put the link up on uh, my social media page as well. And I had people, I had deputies in Florida contacting me. I had um, Air Force people in Texas contacting me, all saying that they had donated to the GoFundMe page. And it was just, and they didn't, I mean, it was just a heartwarming thing to know that this many people cared about someone that they had never met, but could identify with and wanted to help. Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting because um on the last we did a Memorial Day episode and John was on for that. And then John had spoken about how he he uh, on Memorial Day he thinks about the Vietnam guys who served and how when they came home from their, you know, very difficult deployment um that they didn't have the support of the American people and when he came home from his deployment to Iraq and Afghanistan, he had support. And and that was kind of a stark uh, contrast between the Vietnam War and the global war on terror. So I think uh, that's one positive thing that's changed from those days till now. You know, that the American people do support uh, the guys going overseas and fighting. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're killed as an SF guy, um, the widow and the and the family members and the children you're never not going to be part of that SF family. And it could be two years from now, it could be five years from now, it could be 20 years from now. You're never going to be forgotten uh, within the SF community. We're always going to have that your back and always going to have that support for you. But it's nice to finally see that the rest of America is, is willing to step up and do that as well in their own small way, no matter what the circumstances. is. It's, it's a very big change, and it's one that's very welcome, I think, in the veteran community. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, okay, so Chris, uh, you also are a small business owner. Um, can we talk a little bit about what your business does and, and the kind of work that you wanted to expand on? Sure. Um, right as I was about to get out of the military to pursue um, a career in, you know, I was going to get my master's or something on that line. 
I realized that as an SF medic, uh, we had so many different physical tools. I mean, North American Rescue does a phenomenal job in creating these awesome products. And what we were trying to do is get um, reference guides. Uh, so we realized that when we were out serving or you know, when we had an injury, um, the only available reference guides were either the Ranger Medical Handbook or something a lot larger. Um, and you know, especially as a medic, your focus is on treating the patient. Your focus isn't on you know, writing out necessarily a nine line or something like that. So my company focuses on using small, easy to understand reference guides that you can just pull out of your pocket and you don't have any uh, trouble or any confusion in identifying misreports, nine lines, uh, narcotics, things like that. It's a very quick, easy um, reference for medics to look at and say, okay, I can do this, I can do it quickly, and I don't have to be confused about what your Glasgow Coma Scale is, anything like that. And the response has been absolutely phenomenal, and we're very proud of our products. That's great. Hey, I'd, yeah, personally, I'd like to take a look and plus up my bleeder kit. I'm always looking for some uh, cool guy gear. So, um, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, are, is, is your product geared more toward military or law enforcement or uh, the civilian? Is it, it kind of one, one fits all or uh, right what are you now, going for? Right now, geared towards uh, the military, Ranger medics, SF medics. I mean, the nine line, the missed reports, things like that are geared primarily towards the military medics. Uh, we're looking to expand out into other markets, um, but because I spend a lot of my time still contracting and things, it's a, it's a one-man show. So it's, uh, it's coming up, um, but it's right now it's 68 whiskeys, corpsmen, military medics, stuff like that, um, and I'd be happy to send you a copy um, and yeah, if, uh, if any of the listeners would like to see what you're talking about, where, where could they do that? Absolutely. We have a website, readywarriorllc.com. Okay. Yep. And Ready, then readywarriorllc.com. All one word? All one word. Yep. And then okay, we awesome. intend to begin donating to the Green Beret Foundation and other veteran organizations as soon as we've been able to build up um, a good product base. Very so that'll cool. be part of our, our future. Very cool. Hey, so Chris, um, you know, I, I appreciate you taking out the time to come on here. I, I know you're you're heading out soon. Um, so aside from the website, uh, do you have social media handles or anything like that that you would like people to, to know about? I do. Um, if you want to get just a good idea of what life is like on an SF team, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Special Forces Medics. Um, it's a growing thing. It started out very small. My goal was to get a thousand people and people have really responded. Um, it just shows that we're not all six foot five barrel chested freedom fighter, bearded men kicking down doors. Uh, but we're a, a wide variety of guys who have a wide variety of missions and it shows kind of the, the behind the scenes of special forces. And, uh, it's got tremendous response so far. I think we're at almost 26,000 people and, uh, Hopefully, people will enjoy it because I try and keep the business aspect kind of to the minimum on that one and just kind of give a behind-the-scenes look at uh, the life of an SF guy. Okay, I didn't really hear some of that because while you were talking, I was finding you on Instagram, and I just click <laughs> follow. So when Warrior Poet Society clicks up, 
that's me. And so if I make uh, stupid little comments or something, just pretend that they were witty and uh, respond with little smiley faces or clinking beer glasses. Okay. Oh, absolutely. The more social interaction, the better. <laughs> That's I awesome. try and be overwhelmingly positive in, in how I talk about uh, anyone. So if you say something incredibly off the wall, I may just give you a smiley face. How about that? Okay. So <laughs> I look forward to those smiley faces. I appreciate it. That's awesome. All right, Chris. Um, you know, I just want to uh, thank you for coming on and uh, thank you for your service, brother. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. Yep. See you. See you, Chris. All right. Hey, so it was great having uh, DJ Strunts from North American Rescue on and um, Chris as well. And uh, in honoring Doc Eagle's legacy and uh, Matthew McClintock's legacy as well. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate those guys coming on. So if you want to check out my website is globalrecon.net. Uh, my Facebook is FB Recon. My I have two Instagram handles. The first one is IG Recon, and the second one is Global Recon underscore Inc. Uh, my Twitter account is IG Recon, and I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect on a professional network, just search for Global Recon or LinkedIn. Hey, John, can you drop uh, your social media handles for anyone who's interested in uh, following you? Yeah, sure. On Instagram, I'm the Warrior Poet Society, and that's it. Got you. Okay, so we'll see Simple you guys. enough. No, so put your pins down. You don't need to <laughs> worry your post society, Instagram. That's about it. <laughs> so uh, hope, hope to see you guys there. All right, so we'll see you guys in a couple of days with another episode. Peace.